two, three. Jesus, you are good. Your word is true. We love you. We need you. We ask you to speak into our hearts. Let us know truth in our mind and experience your spirit in our hearts as we come to the word of God. As we say, we are here to learn of you, our King and our Lord. Teach us well. Grow us to be more like you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This year, 2019, one in five Australians will experience a mental health condition and almost one in two will experience one during their life. That's big. That is massive, way too big. A quarter of all men who are going through a, a mental health condition for anxiety or depression, don't actually seek help. Uh, sorry. Yeah. No, I've written that down wrongly. It's three quarters, as far as I believe. More than eight people will die today due to suicide, Australians. It is the leading cause of death for 15 to 44-year-olds. We have a world that is breaking that is hurting, that is in pain. Now, they're just a couple of easily accessible statistics from uh, Beyond Blue. But you know the world around you is hurting. You have family and friends that are going through relationship challenges. You have young people, be they nieces and nephews, that struggle with where do I fit in life? We turn the news on and all we see is pain, suffering, division, or when it comes to politics, arguments and blaming and blaming and blaming. We have a world that is suffering, a world that needs hope. Some of us have been lucky enough to travel into different parts of the world. I hope... As you did, you got to go out from the hotels and see the people where they were at in whatever place you were, whatever country. It's easy to feel here, as I say, about the struggles Australians face that this is not the lucky country, but in many ways it still is. Because, yes, Australia is struggling, but the world is struggling in just as much and more. But I don't come to talk about hopelessness. Today, I've entitled the message, The Local Church, The Hope of the World. That might make you think, I hope it does. And let's, let's discover why. The New Testament reveals that every believer in Christ is part of the global church. 
the church universal. It also reveals that local churches comprised of the saints in each locality, working together in unity, taught and led by competent and capable men and women, full of the Holy Spirit. These churches were not independent bodies, nor were they completely controlled. They were in relationship, or the term that we use as part of the CRC, we would say that they're that the example of the New Testament is that those churches were autonomous, locally governed, they had local leadership, but interdependent. They weren't lone rangers doing their own thing. And so as we t- turn to look at the local church being the hope of the world and bringing hope to the world, let's go to Acts chapter 2. A a famous passage when we come to consider the church, but one that has a lot of truth and depth to it. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted them, this is the day that the first church has just been created, in a sense. Peter has, uh, the day of Pentecost has just occurred. Peter has gotten up and spoken to the crowd, and in verse 41 we read, Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Boom. It was big. There was about 120 the day before and now there's plus 3,000. Now, verse 42. What did they do? What did church look like? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Four distinct but four important things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We do a lot of work as a local church, to be a church that is growing, that, to be a church that God is adding to our number. Uh, not for our sake, but because we see it as the biblical mandate upon every church. Why? Because believe it or not, the local church is the hope of the world. Now, you could have you could argue, why didn't I say, why isn't it Jesus' church is the hope of the world? Well, that, that's a legitimate question. We could, we could have, I could have titled it that. I didn't. Because we know, as, as any Bible-believing Christian knows, that the New Testament shows us the church, the Christian church is Jesus' church. The New Testament reveals that every believer is part, no, sorry, Wrong one. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. 
Jesus is talking with Peter and he says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Christian church implicitly belongs to Jesus. So it would be right to say that Jesus, that Jesus' church is the hope of the world. But today we focus specifically on the local church because it is absolutely a major part, the major part of God's plan for our family, for our friends, for our colleagues, for our world. The Christian church belongs to Jesus and that is the reason that it will outlast the Australian government. Feels like recently they've been changing every six months anyway. You think we've just celebrated, well, no, we're, we're over-celebrating 100 years of federation. You think, you know, we're part of a monarchy that's been going for many hundreds of years. Those of you who like history or, or games, if you're a gamer, know that there's been a whole bunch of different empires throughout the world. They've come, they've risen They've fallen. Jesus' church will last, outlast, will last longer than them. Jesus' church is more powerful than them. No matter how big their army, how many guns, or how smart their technologies. Griffith would be in hot water economically if Bayada and Casella's both closed overnight. Our housing prices would plummet. Jesus' church will outlast both of them. Because the local church is empowered by the King of Kings. Why? Well, the truth, the living truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is the truth. And the truth must prevail. The truth will prevail. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And that's a glorious thing. Why is the local church the hope of the world? Because we are called 2,000 years ago to reveal God to mankind. Church here on earth to continue to reveal God to mankind. It's part of our job description. It's part of our nature. Whether we're focusing on it deliberately or not. Jesus' church... The local church is the hope of the world because we stand in intercession for the world. 
We are called to pray for my sister who doesn't know Jesus yet. We are called to pray for my colleagues who talk about Jesus Christ when they hit their thumb on with a hammer, but otherwise not really. We are called, and we do. I love the fact that Life Source has an intercession team that prays and a prayer chain, and that is why the local church is the hope of the world. The church universal isn't praying for Aunt Mary down on Murrumbidgee Avenue who's just been diagnosed with something. This local church is. Why? Because we understand that the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus is supreme, and he is the hope of the world. This is a quote from Jonathan Parnell, um, who, who writes for Desiring God at times. The centrality of the local church is derivative of the supremacy of Jesus. That's the only sentence I'm going to explain. The local church is central Because Jesus is supreme. If it weren't for him and who he is, the local church would simply be an affinity club. Golf club, bowling club, church club. Something conjured up by our own devices and sustained for our own false sense of hope. But Jesus is who he is. And he's behind this thing. Jesus is the one who has all authority on heaven and on earth, in heaven and on earth. The one before whom everyone will bow. The one who reigns among a cascade of endless praise. As the people from every tribe and language, people and nation, bowed and shouted, salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lamb and to the throne. Everything that is or could be, for as long as it ever will be, is entirely pointing to Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of God's nature, the second person of the Holy Trinity, through whom all things were made, the one who became God with us, God in human flesh, the God-man, the last Adam, the offspring of Abraham, the Lion of Judah, the prophet like Moses, the root of Jesse, the descendant of David, the suffering servant, the hope of Israel, the saviour of the world. Jesus is supreme. And that's why the local church is the hope of the world. This Jesus And he is the great end. He is the one who we are meant to see, to know, to treasure. Through our tears and triumphs, our pain and our pleasures, our losses and loves, Jesus stands at the end of the road, offering himself to us and inviting us to behold his worth and cherish his sufficiency. And fact is, this is fact.
We're now going to hear from a man called Bill Hybels via a video who coined the term or more famously spoke about the fact that Jesus, that the local church is the hope of the world. Thanks, Joanna. come to that in a moment. Does that raise any questions for you? Is it something you consider regularly? Many people think that Jesus... Well, well, yep, go for it. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said these words. I will build my church... The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Forty years ago in a college classroom, Dr. B used to exegete this verse. And he would say, students, you realize this is the only thing, building his church, this is the only thing that Jesus is doing since his ascension until he retrieves the church. He's not directing the angelic choir. They're singing fine without him. He's not fretting about the planets spinning out of their orbit. They're behaving nicely. He's not taking long naps or doing crossword puzzles. He's full-time focused attention 24-7 on building the church, the hope of the world. And he's building it in Singapore, in Sydney, in Mumbai, in Mexico City, in Shanghai, in Chicago. And I do hope you understand, please, that perhaps the greatest privilege in all of human life is when Jesus taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, Phil. Hey, Pam. Jason. I have a critical role for you to play. Will you join me as I build my church? It is the hope of the world, you know. But I was hearing in the college classroom at Trinity College from Dr. B, I was hearing with virgin ears, there was once a community of people so radically devoted to God that whatever he asked them to do, they would do. When he urged them out of the limb of faith, they would go. They had so much integrity in that community that people outside the church were curious about what was going on inside the church and they respected it. And Dr. B would get on a riff talking about life in that original community of faith. And I'm telling you, it's powerful. He'd get to the end of a couple of those riffs and he'd say, students, you answer me this question. Is God still transcendently powerful? Does the Holy Spirit still have his stuff? Does Jesus still redeem and restore people? He says, if all that is so, then why can't there be such a community of faith in our culture, in our city, and in our day? I'm telling you, I would sit in the back row of that class and just fight off the emotion. It was the first time in my whole life I had ever been seized. Seized by a vision. And that's where we finish it. It's an interesting thought. What's Jesus doing right now? You know? 
spinning the planets like we might spin a plate on top of a stick. No. He is focused on building his church. Why the local church needs you? That's a great question to ask. Notice the other thing, first of all, about my title. I didn't say Life Source Church is the hope of the world. Some of you might understand that it is and go for it. I'm, I'm not going to belittle that. But I, we are part of the hope of the world because we understand our place in the church universal. We are a local body. And there are local bodies. There are other local bodies in this town. And together, every local church in every community on every part of the planet is the hope of the world. So, why the local church needs you? Some people think that belonging to Jesus is enough. And Jesus is all sufficient. So they're right. But they're wrong. If they think that belonging to Jesus means not being part of a local church. Because the example of the Bible tells us that the believers met together. That they shared things in common. That they broke bread together. That they continued in the apostles' teaching. That they submitted to the leadership. That they put themselves in a place where if they were going in wrong, they could be rebuked and corrected. And so why does the local church need you? Attendance doesn't equal belonging and participation. Showing up, walking in on a Sunday is awesome. We love it. We want you to feel welcome. But we want you to belong. Why? Because the local church is the hope of the world And you're called to be a part of that. We can't say that we're adopted by God as part of his family, but we're not about the family business. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 10 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God spent, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. An heir to the family business, to the promises of God. A co-heir with Christ. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? I continued that reading because we see that being part of the local church Paul was able to challenge these believers in Galatia who'd started to get entrapped again. 
And so he could say, hey, no, no, come on, you're called to be free. Don't get entrapped again by these wrong things. Secondly, you're robbing the ecclesia if you're not edifying them, if you're not part of a local church. True love, I got married a few years ago. I've got, had the privilege of doing a couple of weddings since. Makes you stop and think about love as you go, all right, what have I got to, got to share during this wedding and all these sorts of things. It's not really that well, like, while you're sitting at home watching whatever happens to be on TV that you think much about true love because when there's examples of love, it's normally pretty rubbish. True love is a combination of affection, action and allegiance. Love is not a feeling. It is a feeling, but it's more than a feeling. Love is not just uh, posing the question, will you marry me? That's the action. It's more than that too. It's not just a cohabitating and feeling good together. It's an allegiance. It's a commitment to each other. And it's massive. So true love is our heart, our hand, and our head. The affection, the action, and the allegiance. And so we are robbing the saints, the people sitting beside you, when we're not participating as part of the local church. I raise those three things as well because sometimes the affection isn't there. When you don't feel like going to church one day, we get that. I get that. But true love doesn't say, oh, you're my child, but I don't feel like feeding you today. Because we know that that affection has to lead to action, has to lead to allegiance. Because of the allegiance, because of the commitment in being a husband, I'm going to look after my wife. Because of the commitment, part of being a father, I'm going to feed my daughter. And because she goos and gars back up at me, I have that heart, the affection that goes, oh, she's so cute. What's that got to do with church? You are robbing the saints, the people beside you or near you or around you, when you're not participating in your part as the local church. 2 Thessalonians chapters 1, verses 3 and 4 says, We ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love you have for one another is increasing. Again, Paul writing again to another local church, this time in Thessalonica, saying, hey, look at you, you're loving each other. Yes, this is great. You're growing. Woohoo! Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about you, about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you're enduring. There's a church that it's easy to feel like you don't want to go to. A church where you know you're going to get hurt for belonging to Jesus. A community that says, well, these Christians, (laughs) traitors, let's get rid of them. And yet they went. 
They built each other up in the local church. And that's why Paul could... Romans 12, 4 and 5 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. How about we turn to someone and say, you belong to me and I belong to you. Who feels weird about saying that? Yeah? Who feels like they said it because I told you you had to, but you don't really feel like it actually sits true? Fair question. Because do we belong to each other? The word says that as a local church, as if we're... So if we don't feel like it in reality, that means... There's an opportunity for us to become more like Christ, to participate as part of the local church. Not only are you robbing the saints by not, if you're not belonging, you're robbing yourself of the assurance that you're not a lone ranger going down a slippery slope in your faith. But uh, uh, we're not going to go to the verses about it, but part of the mantle on leaders, part of the commitment that they make and what the Word of God charges them to do is to correct, is to bring people who are part of their local church to go, hey, um, buddy, we love you. You're focusing on this tiny little narrow piece of Jesus' teaching and you're missing the whole big point. It's great that you've got that bit, but don't forget this bit. Don't forget this bit. Don't forget this bit. Anybody who's been in a church long enough or a Christian long enough knows that there's Christians out there all over the place who have honed in on some normally true part of Jesus' teaching to the detriment of the rest. And then it breeds broken relationships, it narrow focus, and it means that they're not being the hope of the world. So you're robbing yourself of the protection that being part of a local church brings. Why? You don't feel like it's protection if it, you know, suddenly Pastor Steve has to Send a couple of our newest elders, Scholar and Micah, round to knock on your door and say, Hoi, sit down now. You're going astray. He wouldn't do it like that. Not because of their physical size, because they know their part as part of the local church. And it's a protection for us. How else are you robbing yourself? You're stunting your own growth without the unity and equipping that Christ has ordained for you. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
encourage the others around us. You know, it's actually this weird sort of thing that God set up into human into life where when you're feeling really discouraged, one of the best ways to get you out of that is to encourage somebody else. It's like it's, it must be a God factor because if you think one plus one equals four, that's the way he does it. It's suddenly you're, you've only got a little bit of encouragement. You know that you're going to give it to that person and then suddenly you're encouraged. It's awesome. Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 16. So Christ gave him, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now hang on. Going back to what's Jesus been doing all this time? Well, 2,000 years ago, he gave the church, those five apostle, prophet, to pastor, teacher, evangelist, so that the body could be built up. You mean Jesus was thinking to 1,000 years ago about how he was going to be building his body? Oh, maybe he really is building his body, and that's his sole job and focus of what he's doing. Wow. Until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, Ephesians 4. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Who wants to be that? The infant tossed back and forth by the wind, led astray by people who are Nasty. No. So don't rob yourself by not participating as part of the local church, which is the hope of the world. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Christ is the head. The members around you are the supporting ligaments that help us all work together and achieve something great, all of which individually are useless. What's a foot sitting on a table going to do? if it's not got no ligaments to control it, to get it moving somewhere. Lastly, and I'm not sure which, if this is the worst way, possibly, probably, the evangelist in me says that yes, it is the worst way, that if we're not participating as part of the local church, we are robbing the unbelievers around us. Because Lone Ranger Christians don't make the best witness. Jesus' design is that as we reach out into our families and communities, and he brings the hope and salvation in people's lives, that they will be sown into a body where they 
will be loved, supported, matured, grow and transform. That body is the hope of the world. That body is the local church. Someone, it, it is in, a, in an age where we are disconnected, where isolation, be it social isolation or, um, you know, the, the bubbles that people can put around themselves now because of things like Facebook and the news cycles and all these sort of things, the different bubbles that can separate us have to be broken. Why? Because people need the local church to knock on their door and say, hey, Jesus loves you. They need the local church to say, hey, we heard you were sick. Oh, Or to say, hey, congratulations, you've had a new baby. The next few weeks are going to be tough. Here's some dinner. Isolated society needs a body that can reach, that can love, that can bring hope. Someone grounded into a solid community of support naturally draws other people in. Acts 2, where we started, it said, and other people were added to their number daily. They had a good report amongst the men. Why? Because the community who hated Jesus, who had just killed Jesus, could see this group loved that were the body of Christ. They could see his hands and his feet. Through seeing them, they met him. Their lives were transformed and saved. They went from eternal damnation to eternal life. You and I are called to be part of the local church, which is the hope of the world. Believe it or not, it's not for you. It helps you. It's great for you. It's fantastic for your family. But it's about more than you. It's about Jesus' supremacy because he is great. And greatly to be praised. And so he needs you to take your place in the local church. Loving the people who are sometimes hard to love. Because it's a hot day and you're sitting on the, on a skinny pew close to each other and they might smell. But you've got to deal with that. Because something far greater is at work. Why? Because you're called to be part of the hope of the world. I've kept on saying it. The hope of the world. Let me finish with this. Why the hope of the world, not just the hope of Griffith? Life source is a part of the hope of Griffith. It's not the only part of the hope of Griffith. There are other churches that are Bible-believing, Jesus-following, and that's awesome, and we love it. But the local church is the hope of the world, And the world needs local churches. It was only in the last couple of weeks that I got to find out some more news about all these different faces up here in red on the missions wall. 
and what they've been doing. The, the mission school in India has been planning churches. Why? Because the local church is the hope of Naxalbari, of Jalpaiguri, of Tezpur, of Dekujuli, and possibly the most exciting one, because none of them mean anything to you, Imphal. Now, Imphal is the city closest to the Myanmar border. And there's another training school being put there to train more more missionaries to be plant more churches into Burma, to go on short-term and and longer-term trips in and out from India to Myanmar, bringing Jesus the hope of the world because he's supreme. Jesus' church, the local church, is the hope. it's the hope of Darlington Point. It's the hope of Borellan. It's the hope of Rankin Springs. It's the hope of Griffith. You and I are called to stand up and take our part as part of the church, as part of his glorious body, his bride. Can we stand and pray? Jesus, sometimes I don't feel like I'm part of the hope of the world. Sometimes we all feel discouraged. We all question what and why. But Lord, we know that you are the answer. Lord, help us stand and own the fact that we are your answer to this world. That we as your local church are the hope of the world. Lord, we pray for the people you're tapping on the shoulder right now, saying, come, be part of this plan. The missionaries that you're calling, the church planters, that you're saying, hey, life is more. Why are you worried about extending your somebody else's business when I, the King of Kings, have a greater business for you to extend? Lord, we thank you that you're calling people right now. Thank you that you're giving us ways we can be more involved, that we can grow more as our part of the local church, the hope of the world. Teach us, grow us. Grow your church. Be glorified through your church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.